So you've done your homework. I'm a professional, too. Well, grievously, in its 95-year existence, the hotel has seen seven jumpers, four overdoses, five hangings, three, three mutilations. Two stranglings. General Manager Gerald Olin is well-versed in the hotel's tragic history, dryly reciting the docket of carnage like a bookkeeper discussing his ledger. Well, you think you're clever, don't you? I know the game. Well, during your investigation, did you discover the 22 natural deaths that have occurred in 1408? Natural deaths? Ah. Didn't find out about them because the newspapers don't print anything about them. Hm. All told, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. 56? You're me. You don't know anything. The causes of death in 1408 range from heart attack, stroke, Drowning. Drowning? Yes, one Mr. Grady Miller drowned in his chicken soup. That's hard to do. How, how did he do that? How, indeed. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to The Fear of God podcast. I love this podcast. I hope you do too. Uh, talking to you right now is Nathan Rouse, one of your co-hosts on this podcast. And again, this is the fear of God. Uh, here at the fear of God, we find the holy and the horrific at the intersection of faith and fear, dissecting what scares us to find out what saves us. So again, this is Nathan. This is the fear of God. We are tracking right along with our overarching series for 2019 that of hashtag 19 uh uh zooming in on some of the works of uh mr stephen king uh some call him uncle stevie uncle stephen king we typically do what we call quarterly kings where every 25 episodes or so we feature landmark works from stephen king right now we are this year dialing in on some of the smaller works um so last week we did creep show the week before that we did the one and only silver bullet which we had a lot of fun with this week we are discussing the movie 1408 um typically with me uh is fellow co-host reed lackey just all around amazing fella um he did say something about needing to go see nick fury about a hotel room which is really weird i don't know i guess i guess post in game nick just sort of like dials back a little bit on on the espionage stuff and decides you know just to like i don't know buy a hotel and and become sort of the the hotel manager i don't know but he'll he'll be back around in a moment while he's picking up that uh hotel room key or checking in you know whatever it is you do at a hotel um i did want to encourage you if you have been around for a little while i know some of you are new right now i know you 
are and you haven't done this yet, we would highly request. Hi, do you, can you highly request a thing? You Sure you can. Like, yeah, you can highly request a thing. But that implies number of times you request a thing. I would just like to impassionately request. Okay. So the way in which I am requesting you do this is with passion. Okay. Um, to go to iTunes, leave a rating. It's really bad when Reed leaves for a little while because I just don't know what I'm saying. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, but please go leave a rating. Please go leave a review. Um, and honestly, you know what? Those things are great and we really love and appreciate them. But also if you enjoy what we do here at the fear of God, share it with somebody. Um, we are often on here referencing uh, recommendations we have, and those are podcasts, those are books, movies, all that sort of stuff. Um, if you have fellow pod folk you talk to um, who are into podcasts, let them know, hey, there's these weirdo dudes um, who cover horror movies from a very specific sort of niche angle. Um, share that with them. Let them know we're out here. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And we, hey, Reed, Reed, you're, you're back. So I have arrived. You have arrived. Did you, were you able to check in okay? Yes, it was checking out that was the problem. I oh. yeah, I uh it it feels to me like I have been through a tremendous ordeal. I uh I mean, I, it was just it was just really strange. I mean, one was, minute, one, was surfing involved? Uh no, I couldn't surf, no? so okay. no, so it was actually but I mean, one minute things were hot, the next minute things were cold. Uh the next minute they were, things were upside down and then the minute after that, I was like climbing out on the ledge. I mean, it was it was I don't know. It was a very surreal wow. experience. Yeah, I, yeah. The problem was that I had ordered some pizza from a place down the street, and um, okay. it, it was actually called Wacky Mushroom Pizza. And I just had, I think something was really weird about the mushrooms oh, that they put on the pizza. Like Norm- the mushrooms. Would you normally, were- yeah. Normally, I don't have mushrooms on my pizza, yeah. and I almost picked them off, but I thought, you know what? I'll be adventurous. I'll try this. And uh, that did not go well. That did not. So go. if you're going to go get some pizza. Yeah. What what do you get on your pizza, Reed? What do you like on your pizza? The pepperoni and pineapple. I'm a pineapple guy. I know people don't like like the, I didn't realize that pineapple was such a divisive thing to have on on pizza, but evidently there are some people who feel like passionate that Hawaiian pizza should not be a thing. Uh but no, I have typically pepperoni and pineapple on mine. I am passionate about some things. Pineapple on pizza isn't really one of them, but right, I, right. I don't really, I don't really care for it though. So oh. but I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not passionate about it. My right. kids love it. Right. Like when we go get pizza, they're going to get pineapple mm. and I'm going to just smack that slice out of their hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that how you, that, that's how you uh, keep your kids on the straight and narrow there is you just, yeah, let, yeah, just yeah. let them get that close. Like the cheese is dripping down and then you just smack uh-huh. it out of their hands. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Do you have a favorite food, like pizza food chain that you that you enjoy going to, or is it? Uh... You know, we've got here in Charlotte. <laughs> Who knew we were going to discuss pizza? Well, at the top I mean, of this. But like it, here... no, it is. You you brought it up the wacky mushroom. So yeah, um, so yeah. Um, now we have in Charlotte a place called Hawth- Hawthorne's Pizza, and oh. Charlotte folk represent. You know, what I'm talking about. Um, it is a local chain. There's about three or four different, or maybe four or five. I don't know. Um, different locations of it but it is it is it is the good stuff is it my boo, is it pizza? Oh, <laughs> I like it I, li- people, I like it a hot thorns of pizza people can't see the 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 hand affectation they that can't you're making. they no, can't but it's but it's quite it's quite wonderful it's quite yeah wonderful. so so i dig hot thorns what, what about you buddy so, if you're gonna get pizza where do you mm. not just like not and not like totino's okay like <laughs> I gave where, up Totino's a long time ago. Okay. Um, no, um, honestly, like we have a place here called Chi Chi's Pizza that is really, really good. Do you mean 
Do you mean CeCe's? I do not mean CeCe's Pizza. Okay, I mean, okay. See, I had that I thought that was going to be a weird, that was going to be a weird no. moment we were about to have. No, 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 meant. because, you know, I remember back in, and, and I think, I don't think that they're a national chain. I remember, like, you walk into CeCe's Pizza and you're like, yep. welcome to CeCe's. Welcome to CeCe's. So, but there's a Chi-Chi's Pizza, it's kind of like a richer So they go, place. welcome to Chi-Chi's. They don't do that. No, they no? don't. Okay. They don't. <laughs> they, they, they don't resemble Mario and Luigi. Because that'd be like, really weird. Little pizza pies. <laughs> Bah. Um. So no, no, no. But there, there's a place. It's like a little ritzier. It's it's definitely like higher priced and uh like the the types of pizza that you have, the are uh, like fancy names and stuff like that. Like Hawaiian pizza, for instance, is called immigrant pizza. And there's oh like, yeah. The, the reason that that stands off on my seems a little weird. Well, the the reason it stands out in my mind is because that's the that's the one that I most typically order. Right. But the thing that I love about but like Hawaiians pizza, aren't immigrants. Like no, well, they are. I don't Citizens. know the logic behind the thing. I don't. I don't get it. But That's really odd. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so the uh, but the thing that I love about their pizza is that the the crusts are really nice and fluffy. They're very soft, and the cheese is really thick. And they have like like for instance, the pineapple on their pizza is like a ring of pineapple as opposed to just like the little diced cubes right, and stuff right, like right. that. So now, uh, do you delicious. like any sort of dipping sauces with your pizza, or are you just like? I'm one, I'm a marinara guy. I just like to have the to to have marinara if I'm gonna have you know if I'm gonna have breadsticks as in some, as in it. to dip it in yeah or to dip to, in it or to yeah. dip it in, oh my god additional marinara or garlic yes, okay, sauce okay. that right, I can right, right, like right. dip into yeah right either or so yeah okay well that's welcome to the fear of God what everybody you want? Watching, reading, and what you watching, reading, and listening to what, what you what you're watching, eating. what you eating, what you reading, listening to do 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 do. Wow. <laughs> so wait, are we in that segment now? Why not? Why not? Why not just eat some Mario? I jump in, I give you pizza, I send you to the next segment. That just puts you in the double, place. Double, 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 double. Such tense you, music. Like, isn't it weird that that's like interwoven into our DNA? Like mm-hmm. that music, it, that sound cue is just like I could anywhere. Well, it's great because, like, I mean, I guess this could account for what am I watching, read, listening to. But like, my my son's been playing Switch a lot, and uh, uh-huh. I've been, and I've been playing when I'm able to. Been playing a lot of his games with him. Well, he's really into some of the different Mario games. Mario, we've got Mario Kart, we've got Mario Party, Mario Tennis Aces, we've got Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, we've got. Uh, like, oh my gosh, there's like three other ones that he's got or whatever. But the cool thing about that is that they've been, I don't know how many of those games you have or how many of those games you've like dove into playing, but they do some inventive things with the theme every once in a while. Like they'll sure, play yeah. it slowed down or they'll play it with a, like a jazzier version or something like it's, it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy it when it crops up. Here uh, yeah, we've got Mario Kart and the Mario Party for Switch. Um, of course, I love Mario Kart. Anyway, so between pizza and Nintendo games, like this is an already uh, interesting start to this episode. I did, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Can I can I share something with you though? Hey, did you ever play the original like Jaws on the NES? No, we, no? I, we've we've brought this up before because it was like super hard for you. I've never had the opportunity to play it. I never. Okay. If if I did, well, did you I did never you play any of the like wrestling games on the N sixty four? Things things are things are going so well. <laughs> Things are going so well. I mean, listen, short time listeners, like the new, uh, the bunch of new listeners. Yeah, that the we brand have, new ones. Yeah, welcome, like, brand new listeners. This is a weird, yeah. this is a weird podcast. So I don't remember what episode it is, but yeah, let me just enlighten well, you. Well, there's that there's, don't there's play Predator video game. I think there's Predator and there's Jaws. I think it's on either or both of the maybe just on Jaws. I think it's maybe. on the Jaws episode. 
Maybe. Oh man, but uh, go yeah. listen to the Jaws episode. It's good stuff. Nathan, hopefully, is, uh, hopefully not this fun one to play. will be. Hopefully, <laughs> Nathan's not fun to play wrestling video games with. I'm just gonna let you know. Like, I'll just just gonna throw that. All throw right. That so, so okay. So, what have you been watching, reading, and listening to? Read. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna share. Oh my something gosh. from the <laughs> something from the listeners. Come on! Oh I, yeah, we're I doing care, that now. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, listeners, who you got? Have a pinned post on their uh, the Facebook group and the Facebook page. If you have not shared with us what you've been watching, reading, listening to, or even if you have already shared, I mean, by all means, go back and share because it's new weeks, new times. So, go back and share new things that you've been listening to, or watching, or reading. But uh, this comes from uh, our Fear of God official historian. Uh, beloved just watch you know announcement maker uh that's steve beckley he says this is kind of lengthy but I'll, I'll breeze through it really quick he says i watched the film is called your vice is a locked room and only i have the key directed by sergio martino it's on amazon prime streaming this is an italian giallo from 1972 i've been watching a number of these early mystery slashers since i'm enamored by their italian style and locations they were precursors to american slashers of the 80s but they certainly had their own look and feel very european and interesting locations not at all shy about sex or nudity Characters are often also laughing at the modern globalization and changes happening in 70s European society. In this one particular, uh, a lustful alcoholic author lives in a villa with his emotionally fragile wife and his late mother's creepy black cat. A killer is on the loose, offing attractive young women around town, and he's afraid the police will suspect him. Then his attractive niece comes to visit, complicating matters. He says this story is said to be loosely inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat, and in the movie, the cat, which is named Satan, acts as a sort of telltale heart. Yeah. Creeping around, clawing and screeching at characters and their vices. In the second half of the movie, certain characters reveal ulterior motives and prey on others that they judge as unworthy of their life and treasures, intending to take it for themselves. Or perhaps this is not as much fun as some of the Dario Argento giallos like Suspiria, Tenebre, Deep Red, or Phenomena, since there are a few good characters to really get behind. And this one is more of a small-town, rural setting. But I like the symbolism of the cat. Is he a warning flag put out to either be heeded or ignored by the characters at various points on their road to ruin, or the actual devil himself? And then, as a final note, Steve says, Coincidentally, Amazon Prime has two more direct adaptations of The Black Cat, which he hopes to get too soon. Lucio Fulci's 1981 film, The Black Cat, and part of the two-segment anthology, Two Evil Eyes, in which a black cat portion is directed by Argento himself. Steve, first of wow. all, thank you. Steve, yeah. yeah, thank you. We don't thank pay you, you very enough, much. Steve. <laughs> thank you very much for that, uh, for that recommendation. I want to just say a brief word about uh, Italian Giallo films. I am actually quite fond of them. They are hit or miss for me. He referenced a lot of Dario Argento stuff. All of the films he referenced by Argento, I think, are really strong, particularly Suspiria, Deep Red, um, but Tenebre, and uh, if I'm saying that right, Tenebre, Tenebre, uh, Phenomena, those are those are really, really great films. I think Steve appropriately categorized them. If you're into that sort of thing, want to see uh, some strong influence on 80s slashers, but straight out of Italy, um, it, they are really, really interesting, usually categorized by deep, rich, saturated colors. Um, very visually arresting and interesting, um, often narratively a bit more abstract, but uh, but very, very fascinating and rich films. Thank you very much for the recommendation, Steve. That was that was great. Yeah. Um, so I have, I'm going to cheat on my watch and read and listen to. I have. That sounds right. I'm, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
You gonna slap this pizza out of my hand? <laughs> slap the pizza out of your hand? It's like I'm back playing wrestling with you. You're just like, let me go beat up Reed in the corner. I t- <laughs> listeners, for the <laughs> for those who have not gone back to listen to that, this was my experience. What like playing video games with him? Like I would be sitting there trying my hardest. Meanwhile, he's just like casually pressing a button every three minutes and somehow mopping the floor with my character. I will never forget sitting there when I finally quit. Was I'll never forget. I'm in the corner trying desperately to break out of whatever lock hold he's got on me. And he's like, ooh, I didn't know I could do that. And then, like, that, like he mutters that under his breath. Meanwhile, I'm, like, sweating bullets trying to get my character to do something. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm done playing this with you. Let's go back yeah. to Mario Kart. That's the best. Um, okay, so for my watch and read and listening to, I just want to tag in on a couple of things because now we're at the end of most of the um, – the spring TV seasons, and so lots of things have been canceled and renewed. They've got the new lineup coming up, and so I have a couple of yay thumbs up and a couple of disappointments. So there are two shows that I would encourage you to check out um, because I like them quite a bit, but they have been uh, canceled for for this coming season, uh, which is very disappointing. There's a legal drama called For the People that I really liked a lot. Um, Unfortunately, it did get the axe. Um, It was an interesting premise. It basically followed both the prosecution team and the defense team for various cases and how their lives intersect and the different challenges. And I feel like it was really, um, uh, it was able to deal with some complex issues in a fascinating way. So I really liked For the People. I'm sad to see it go. Uh, Second one, I'm doing these very quickly because there's a few of them. Uh, Second one that got axed, um, is a show that actually had several seasons, but I've not mentioned it before. It's called Life in Pieces. Have you heard about that comedy, Life in Pieces? Probably, yep. probably the biggest name that I knew going into the show. There's several people that I have since seen, uh, but uh, the biggest name going into it was Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son. But uh, the show, the concept of the show was great. Each episode featured four short stories. So instead of the traditional sitcom format where one story kind of encapsulates the whole 22 minutes, these were broken up into smaller segments focusing on different characters in the family for like seven to eight minutes at a time. And it was it was really fun. It was great. Like I said, they had four seasons, so they definitely you know made their mark. But then unfortunately, they got uh, they got canceled this time around. Now to the joy, I have to say. If you are, I mentioned this last week that my wife and I had started Cobra Kai season two. Cobra Kai season two has been greenlit for a season three, which I'm super thrilled about because season two was really great. Um, it's, it wasn't quite as strong as season one, but it was absolutely fantastic. Um, ending on just a gut punching kind of storyline that really, th- this show has got some major chops in terms of the dramatic, uh, just. Uh, Might you t- say. Karate chops. Oh, it's got some major karate chops. Um, just yeah, the the dramatic tension it's able to build within its characters, the way it makes you sympathize and and you know feel a lot of frustration with uh, sometimes the same exact person that you're simultaneously rooting for them and very frustrated by them. It's really great storytelling. Um, if you are at all a fan of the Karate Kid films, you need to see these. These are some of the best iterations of it. I will say that if you are not at all familiar with Karate Kid films. You do need to have seen them to understand and appreciate a lot of the relationships. They're not utterly dependent upon it, but the relationships mean a lot more if you have seen the films. The So huge endorsement and recommendation for that one. My final one is I waited for like three weeks to hear this. Everybody was waiting. I heard like I saw tons of pieces in like Variety and Vox and BuzzFeed and everything saying, please, please, please renew it. They've definitely earned a season three. But the Orville, 
did get renewed. I like to think that it's purely because of fear of God listeners. Because yeah, we, yeah. You know, like I, I uh, thought that. I thought that when I saw that announcement. I'd like to, I'd like to believe that's true. I was like, but, well, at least Reed will be happy. <laughs> but they have well, well earned their renewal. I'm super thrilled that Fox gave them another chance. Um, so, yeah, we will be getting a season three of the Orville. If you have not caught up with it, like I said, I think I qualified this a lot when I mentioned them before, but it is a comedy slash, you know, uh, Star Trek it's not a spoof because it's more like a Star Trek homage um, because it's not specifically making fun of Star Trek elements. Uh, there is occasionally, I would have to admit, somewhat shoehorned humor in it, but uh, but they really amped up in the second season, took a lot more dramatic risks, took, they, they toned down a lot of the humor and, and were really, really delivering some fantastic just singular stories. And so I love the Orville. I'm very happy they got renewed for season three. And that's all my, that's, that's all of the little, you know, catch in on your TV. Seasons. Yeah. So there you well, go. Well, what's really funny is I had no idea what you were going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about a little TV. Oh, okay. okay. So, great. Great. Little TV here, little TV there, little TV everywhere. So I did want to circle back on one, much like your Orville just now, though, oh, okay. with a little bit of mo- a more neutral position here. So I referenced, I think it was two weeks ago at this point, Killing Eve. So Killing Mm. Eve season one is fantastic, but uh, the primary showrunner or initial showrunner and I think creator of the or developer of the series, it's based on a series of books, but um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge did leave after a few of the first season's episodes. Um, So there is a bit of a tonal shift. Mm, It's subtle. Regardless, season one is really great. And those two leads are fantastic. Season two right now has me a little bored. So okay. I am not, uh, this is all meant to, honestly, this is a little bit of, um, you know, insecurity wrapped up in this. I didn't want people to jump then into season two and be like, Nathan's an idiot. Why do you recommend this? <laughs> so I'm just saying I'm a little on the fence right now about season two. Mm. So if you listener are watching this show as well. And you're like, I don't know about season two. We'll just know I'm right there with you. Um, still, the vibe of the show is great. And Sandra O oh is strong and Jodie Comer is amazing. But it's a, even after the last one, my wife and I were like, yeah, that was a little boring. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But for right now, I'm a little neutral on season two of Killing Eve. However, a show I am not at all neutral on, but have no. watched all, all of since our last recording is the TV, the HBO series, Barry starring Bill Hader. Ah, yes. um, man, uh, it's in its second season and I had people hyping it to me during season one. Um, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't know, full plate, whatever, didn't give it a chance. And just recently had a little time to kill. It is a 30 minute sort of show, which makes it easily digestible. And I, I love it. I love mm. it. It, it, uh, it might end up being maybe my favorite show I'm watching for the year so far. Wow. I, I honestly can't think of others that might contend with it. But, I mean, it swings very uh, sharply between high comedy and high tragedy. Uh, mm. If you if you know and or like Bill Hader at all, he's fantastic in it, in a very dramatic role, more or less. Um, it's just, man, it's, it's really great. Um, they've got a... Uh, a single episode in season two called uh, I can't remember the title of the episode, but it's episode five it, sequentially. Um, I, I was texting you about this individually or off pod and like 
it's amazing. It's probably, it's very different. You asked me at the time about uh, two storms with Hill House. It's very different, but is, is one of the most singular quality episodes of a TV show I've seen in a long time. It, mm. it's, it's a really great show. It's easily digestible. The way I've tried to articulate it to someone is it's like, think of Breaking Bad with more comedy and if Walter White actually tried to get out of what he's doing. Oh, just, oh, it's too good, good at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like like the hater's character um, is, is kind of a hitman for hire. And so the concept is he's a hitman, but falls in because one of his marks is this LA-based guy in an acting troupe. Mm. And so he gets involved in this acting troupe and really plugs in and gets passionate about it while also trying to extricate himself from his hitman life and failing at both and <laughs> wow. so it's yeah and 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 it's not afraid to kind of go dark in places anyway mm. it's a really great show if you aren't watching barry i would highly recommend it it's there's not a whole lot out of there out there so it's not like you've got a ton of seasons or whatever to catch up on but that's my that's that's what i've been watching reed all right, all right. I have two comments. First yeah, of all, please. Uh, Barry, yeah, you you've definitely sold me on. I need to check Barry out. The only play, the only way it had hit my radar before was I was super happy. I think it was either a Golden Globe or an Emmy. I can't remember what it was, but Henry Winkler won. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. for it. Um, and I am a huge fan of Henry Winkler. I think he's uh, just a wonderful human being. Uh, I, I, you have teased me before and I've been probably rightfully teased for like, I don't do it intentionally to like boost myself up or whatever, but name dropping celebrities that I've met. The oh, reason Lord. I'm, I know, no, the reason that I'm mentioning Henry Winkler is because hands down of all of the different, you know, accidental and coincidental celebrity sightings I've had, Henry Winkler is hands down the nicest of any of those individuals that I've ever met. Um, and, uh, he is just He's super well, generous with his fans. And well, what's what's great about the show is he is he's the acting coach. Oh, okay, this, okay. Of this adult theater troupe, and he has his own acting studio with all of these theatrical posters all over the wall of productions he's been in. Okay, but read it's fake posters, and it's th- his his character's name is uh, Gene Cusano. And so, okay. like for instance, one of the posters is Gene Cusano is Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that where it's like. He's, you know, but they never acknowledge oh, it. It's awesome. just, it's just the background is like his name on all these that theatrical posters of him staging productions for himself and stuff. <laughs> but you know, yeah, oh, it's great. But you talk about Henry Winkler. I, I didn't know I'd go this deep on it, but there's a, there's, I don't know the actor's name, but there's a character in the show whose shorthand name is Noho Hank, but it stands for North Hollywood. But oh, he's okay. this, he's this Chechen gangster. But the actor playing him plays him as this like kind of prim and proper, you know, gangster. But his line deliveries are hysterical. I was was even watching a behind the scenes where Bill Hader was talking about how he can't look at him when he's in a scene with him because Mm. his line deliveries are so strong. And it shows a, a shot of Hader's character training these Chechen soldiers or actually just thugs on how on armory armament use okay and noho hank is in front of him yelling at them well bill Hader, the actor in the scene is looking down and you know it's because he just can't like engage <laughs> with him physically because he break oh, up anyway so yeah it's it no. is a great show it's a that's, great show that's awesome well I, my second yeah. my second comment which is a bit of a pivot is speaking of bill Hader. Um and perhaps as a, an appropriate segue Let out me guess, of this, have you, have you met him too? Just... N- no. Wow. Okay, okay. Wow. 
Don't be don't be jealous of all my of all my people. Don't be jealous wow. of all my stuff. I'm really not. You just talk, <laughs> talk about it all the time. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I have. You're not, like speaking of Sandra O oh and killing Eve. When I met her, she was wow. just the bee's knees. I had her over for dinner, and you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> no, just kidding. So, um, but no, uh, the w- we need to talk about it because this is also ties into hashtag nineteen. Um, so yep, the new yep. the new it trailer, uh, starring Bill Hader. Good as, for you. Yes, uh, so that was that was what made me think of that. And have you seen? They're great. Have you seen some of the behind the scenes shots of the of the set and Bill Hader making uh, Skarsgård, the the guy playing uh-huh. Pennywise, right, right. Um, making him <laughs> laugh? It is just yeah. the best in costume. Thing. Yes, yeah, he's in yeah, full yeah, costume. Yeah. But their yeah. Bill Hader is just cracking him up with whatever it is they're talking about. It's it's great. It's Hader really is great. amazing. He's a yeah. truly talented dude. But the, uh, but yeah, yeah the, the it trailer is intense. Oh my gosh. I love so what I love about it is structurally as a trailer, it's really pretty pretty bold and I think very effective. They they essentially give you one major scene. They have a couple of clips at the end of it, but they give you kind of an extended scene. Yeah, oh, for that reason alone. Wonderful. Yeah. Because that's the thing, that's the problem with some of the trailers is they, they only show you fragments of clips of things, and that's all they give you, so they don't give you any sort of taste of the tone or the type of story that you're trying to see. Um, some of the best ones do manage to do that uh, effectively, despite those restraints, but this one's great, because of the two-minute trailer, probably a minute and a half of it is just this one scene that you're watching, and it is... Oh, it's great. I love the the shot where, you know, go watch the trailer, but the, I love the shot where the woman is talking and she's like, nothing ever really dies, and then just freezes there. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the trailer lets it freeze for like 10 seconds or something. Oh, man, it's great. Yeah, I it's would really, totally really be down if they do, I mean, certainly they wouldn't do this on every screening, but if they did some limited screenings where you could go actually do both films back to back. Oh yeah. That fun. would be, yeah, that would be really great. Um, yeah. So I'm very, very excited for it. Chapter two. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And I mean, like, gosh, Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, you got James McAvoy like this. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm so excited for this. It's going to be, I'm hoping very, very hopeful that it is going to be really, really great. Well, that's been another installment of what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? <laughs> it's good. It sounds like you're trying to be a busted robot. <laughs> nope, just a Mario, bro. Nope, there you go. All Mario, right, bro. Reed. So we are jumping back into old 19, 30 minutes into this episode. Goodness gracious. Wow, I did not anticipate that. Um, you ready so to check in? To- today um we'll stay scared brother we'll get there um <laughs> today we are talking about 1408 starring samuel L. jackson on and john cusack this is from i didn't i don't have this in front of me is it what like 07 08 2007 yeah 2007 okay. look at there that was my first guess i just guessed it look at that i mean i knew that <laughs> um yeah so um i can't remember what is this where does this text originally appear read so um, the very it's it's fascinating. So there's a little bit of a history. I'll make it brief. King originally sort of submitted the first few pages of the manuscript just as part of on writing, as a and as an example for the readers of that book of his book on writing for how to edit drafts. And he and so he was so fascinated by it that he was like, I'm going to expand this out into a broader story. Well, its first life 
was there was a an audio collection of three stories that were all read by Stephen King, and it was called Blood and Smoke. The the sort of connective tissue of the three stories, the three stories on it, and they were they were first released as audiobook presentations. They weren't published first. The first of the stories was called Lunch at the Gotham Cafe. The second one was called In the Death Room, and the third was called 1408. And it, the connective tissue for all of them is that they all involved, uh, in some way or another, smoking. Um, either the character smoked or was trying to quit smoking or something like that. Um, and so uh, it, you can see, because it's not a, a, it's not a huge element of the film certainly not as huge as it is in the story but you know uh, Mike Enslin's cigarette that he keeps behind his ear and that that whole thing was a was a big part of the story so that was the first iteration of it you can now find 1408 um is as part of the everything's eventual collection okay um so that's uh, a great collection oh it really is um stay tuned next week everybody yes it is uh it's very very good um so but i i do like this story quite a bit what's interesting to me well I'm going to say a few things briefly, but I want to hear your, like, I don't know if this was your first or second viewing. I don't know your history with this film or if you've read the story or anything like that. What's interesting to me is that the film, I think, is a very effective adaptation and it's a very impressive adaptation. But what's interesting is that the story itself, the much more interesting part of the story is the conversation between Enslin and Olin. And in the film, uh, I think rightfully so because of the way the film plays out, that, I mean, that scene still happens, obviously, and it's still an interesting scene, but they pivot away from that into more of what takes place inside the room. In the story, you get everything that happens in the room, but it is actually like the last third of the story. And the bulk of the story is the conversation between Enslin and Olin, the manager of this hotel. Right. And uh, and it's it's really... I mean, it's a really great short story, but honestly, it's fascinating to me how this came to be an adaptation because, like I said, the most interesting part of the story is the conversation between Olin and Enslin, and the, you know, they chose to pivot to more of what happens in the room, and I think, again, effectively so for the film adaptation. Uh, was this your second time seeing it? Was this your first uh, time? It was my second time seeing it. I saw it. I did not see it in the theater. Mm, okay. No, I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on video, and then I read the short after it. I did not gotcha. remember the distinctions between the two. I did remember liking the short. I'm yes, liking the text more. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. How? how the te- how well, do you want to go down? Well, the te- yeah. the yeah. Well, the text is pretty interesting. Let me let me identify a few of the distinctions, and then we can talk about the film for the for the remainder of it. So the the primary major distinction. Um, in the conversation, and here's where it kind of gets tricky. The conversation between Olin and Enslin occurs in the film, and occur, and most of the major plot beats that are produced in that conversation are present in the film, but it's very abbreviated. In the story, they go back and forth a lot about like philosophy. They go back and forth a lot about just like the stakes of what's about to happen as Enslin enters the room. One of the things that I find really compelling about the story version of their conversation in the film. They basically give a little bit of passing lip service to it. There's one point at which uh, I forget the exact line, but uh, Mike Enslin played by John Cusack basically says ghosts and ghoulies and, you know, two headed beasties, you know, they're not real, you know? And then uh, Samuel L. Jackson Olin, the manager of this hotel, comes back to him and says, well, that may be true, but whatever, that's not what's in 1408. 
And in the short story, that whole conversation is is fascinating because Olin, the character in the short story, that's his primary concern for Mike Enslin's character is that Mike Enslin thinks he's dealing with a ghost. When he's like, no, what whatever is in that room is not a ghost. It's not a poltergeist. It's it's a something else. And the unpacking of that just fascinated me. We should probably briefly give the the just the overarching premise. Mike Enslin, the character played by John Cusack in the film, is a writer. Um, he wanted to write serious and dramatic uh, fiction, but uh, unfortunately somehow got relegated to basically touring supposedly haunted locations throughout America and then writing about them. Ten haunted houses, ten haunted graveyards, ten, you know, all these different things, these spooky places. Well, in his research, in the film, there's a very specific way that he comes in contact with this information. In the book, he just, or in the story, he just comes across it in his research. Um, he finds out about this room, 1408, and when he tries to stay there, the a hotel, hotel man- room. Yeah, 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 a hotel room. And the hotel manager, uh, Olin, tries very, very hard to keep him out of that room. And again, getting back to the story, uh, I just found it fascinating when Olin is breaking down all of the history. Uh, this is, again, talking about the story. When he's breaking down all the history of, like, he- here have been the deaths, here have been the natural deaths, here's what happened to this person. He goes into greater detail about, he's like, yeah, we, we do a turndown service for 1408 once a month for about 10 minutes at a time. And he said, even then, like, one of our assistants, I don't know what they're called, housemaids? I don't know what they're called. I'm blanking on what they would be called, but um, the custodial staff, one of them like went blind in the middle of the room and, uh, you know, her sight restored after she got out of the room. But uh, it, it's just fascinating the way that they broke down all of the different malevolent things that have happened to people who have spent any degree of, exposed, of extended time in 1408. Um well, film. that is a great that is a great moment in the movie that's I'm sure probably lifted directly from that scene where Olin is trying to dissuade him and Cusack is rattling off the deaths and Olin's like, well, clearly you've done your research, but and I think maybe the number Enslin throws out is twelve. I think like twelve people have died in there, and and Olin says, "Well, actually, it's more like fifty or sixty. I don't remember the exact number." Yeah, yeah. And and it's a really great moment because Enslin's clearly thrown by this information. He's like, yeah. "Well, most of these will have did appear as natural deaths, but mm-hmm. were in fact, you know, kind of malevolent, malevolently inspired." Yeah, and that's uh, another thing that I love about this film is um, the uh, John Cusack's performance just in general is uh is really really strong you mentioned his reaction to the thing i think i've i've always liked cusack as an actor i've never found anything really negative or bad to say about him but i think this might be my favorite of his performances <laughs> i know blake is going to kill me for not saying gross point blank but sorry this is my favorite of john cusack's performances um and i feel like the layers and the levels that he gives to this particular piece, I don't know. I'm sure other actors would have been able to provide their own flavor to the overall thing, but I just love what he brings to it because he brings this, he brings a combination of charm and bitterness to everything. Um, he brings this uh, apathy, yet somehow this, you know, sort of underbelly of compassion that uh, that exists. Like, I love the scene. I guess this could be pivoting into likes dislikes which certainly if you have 
have some jump in at any point, but like I love the scene at the book signing where mm-hmm. he's there and then this person comes up and they're talking about his first book. And I feel like Cusack delivers such a great balance between I badly want this person to just leave and stop talking to me about this. And also kind of you get an echo that he's remembering perhaps what might have been or the path that he really wishes he could have gone down instead of going down the stay scared path. Um, So I'm just really impressed with him in this film. I feel like he delivers a full commitment to the, to the performance. And, uh, and I just, I really like him quite a bit in this movie. Hmm. So on the shiver scale, you would award this movie about 10 skulls, huh? (laughs) I don't know if I'd go all 10, but, uh, but uh, I'd, I'd rank it rather high. Oh, well, it's what? well, no, you, you first. Yeah, no, you got excited. Go for it. No, I didn't get excited. I got a little nervous. So, right. in a moment, you and I are going to have to talk about the ending. I need to know very specifically what ending you saw for this film because there's like four oh of them out God. there. Yeah, because there's like four of them serious? out there. I'm not oh, joking. Geez. There's like four of them out there. Now, well, now I can't. Now I don't remember what my ending was. Because, well, let me tell you my ending, and then you tell okay. me if this was the same one. Because there are four different ones. It's kind of crazy. There are, like, four different ones, and depending on, like, if you stream it, if you see the director's cut. Do we, like, I mean, I rented it on iTunes, so that's Okay. I saw, I saw it uh, on a DVD copy I borrowed from the library. Let me guess. It was black and white. No, I did not I'm watch it in black and white. Um, so, But the ending that I have is he successfully makes it out of the room. That's point one. Mm-hmm. To, and then as he's going through his things with his you know, uh, estranged wife back in the room, uh, then they stumble upon a tape recorder. Is that ringing a bell? Or did you I'm see it? A, I'm having a hard time remembering my ending. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, well, maybe it won't keep matter. Keep going. I don't know. Because uh, uh, so basically he, he stumbles across the tape recorder that he had with him in the room when it was when he was going through everything, that's right. part of his uh, process. Is that while he's in these haunted locations, he records a lot on a little uh, micro tape recorder. Right. Well, he stumbles across it, begins playing it. He hears his own voice, but then coming through the tape recorder is the voice of his uh, deceased daughter that he can hear, and his wife also hears it, registers it. They both have a moment registering that her that their daughter was actually there and actually present um and uh that fills them obviously with a flood of emotions and that's how the film ends so so in your version he survives yeah in my version he make he lives he he now, survives have you seen other versions coincidentally i've actually tried to seek out other versions and have you not didn't, you didn't try too hard I'm just no, no i'm just kidding well but I've, like well no because like i i i until you asked this a moment ago i had no idea there were multiple endings to this so oh, okay. glad you brought i'm glad you brought this up on the front end i know but it's no, in, in mine, oh, there's a whole funeral in mine oh for real wow like, he does not no. he does not survive and in fact samuel L. jackson attends the funeral gets in the car and sees in the rearview mirror like a charred version of oh him. So, my like, he, gosh and it ends with a shot of the sort of torched room and him as a ghost smoking and then wow. the daughter appears. Uh, no, I don't know the daughter appears. He he hears her, and he disappears walking towards her. I can't remember if she actually physically appears in the ghost form or if it's okay. just an audio cue. But no, I don't. I don't wow. No, I, I had yeah. no clue that there were so, multiple, much less four. 
Yeah, the yeah, there are four different ones. I think in two of them he survives, and two of them he does not. The version that well, I remind s- me, what's the book? It's been forever. Well, since in I've the story, read it. he survives. Oh. Yeah, in the story, he survives. He makes it out. Um, and in the story, he but in the story, uh, now I'm struggling to remember if he's even married at all. What I know definitively, he's he does not have a deceased daughter in the story. That's not an element of the story at all. And so, uh, it, it in the story, I think it's as it's a brother that has died uh, for something. Um, but uh, but can not I, unrelated can I, to David. So I, I gotta. I feel the need to to jump in to jump in here. Go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so I will not. Um, I will not go to the mat on this. In okay. Other words, I'm not going to get like emotionally invested in this, but I think this movie sucks. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I really. I really. I remember having a neutral feeling about it when I first watched it years ago. Okay. I remember then reading the text and and appreciating the text and be like, huh, th- this is pure recollection. But I remember sure. thinking, I like this better than the movie. Knowing we were doing it, or, you know, covering it, I was like, okay, well, let's let me see. Sure. I can't yeah. really remember what what I might have been neutral on. I was bored to death. Really? I, was, I oh, did wow. not think it was scary. I did not enjoy his performance. Um, I think it's just noisy by the end of it. It's interesting. I I did not find it suspenseful whatsoever. It, uh, I could see a version where yes, Cusack and Jackson spar more conversationally, far Mm. more interesting than what we get. Like I, I just, I was surprised at how strong my negative feelings were in this watching. I got like, I was like, I could turn this off. Um, interesting we so rarely it's, it's, have this moment i know i know and that's why i'm that's why i prepped by saying i'm not gonna like drive oh, a stake sure. in the ground no, of on course. this one because yeah, it's, it's uh, you know ultimately it is what it is but now this is a hot take okay so okay hot takes are in themselves not fully baked right it's it's meant <laughs> to be like this is not a thoroughly thought through position okay all I, right i didn't care for cusack whatsoever I, interesting I okay what i wrote down now understand one of the most recent performances of the actor i'm about to name here cusack in this movie felt like a poor man's nick cage oh okay all right and i was thinking of mandy and just the wildness of mandy and some of what cusack goes for by late in this movie i was like yeah i'm just interesting no no no, you don't have to apologize down no you're not letting okay so stop stop right here on the pod (laughs) we can have disagreements sir like come on i just felt bad because the more you're talking i'm like dead gummit i'm about to just like i mean honestly i think it's interesting when because i respond very positively to it i do think it's interesting when people have just have a different response to the film i will say that when i saw it in the theater um, I responded very strongly to it, really loved it. And I will say that this recent rewatch did sort of, I don't think it held up as well as my memory of it did. I still really enjoyed it and still really enjoyed a lot of things about it. So we can talk more about those specifics, but I don't think it held up to the level that I was remembering it because it had been years since I've seen it. It's been more than a decade since I've seen sure, it. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, and it definitely did not hold up to the heights that I had originally <laughs> had it. But it did. But I, yeah, I, I, I definitely love this movie. So that's, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. But, well, I, I mean, it's you know, I, I don't know if I was just not in the right frame of mind for or what, but like, 
man, I had a ball riffing on the dumb surfboard scene. I was no, like, go ahead. This is, this is so, it's like, I love, if anything, kudos to the editor of this film. Cause like, <laughs> it is utterly and absolutely clear John Cusack doesn't know crap about surfing, right? It is <laughs> utterly clear. And it's like, okay, okay, John, we're going to show you belly flopping onto your surfboard. Oh, my which gosh. I love John Cusack, but, but, He's a little doughy in this, and that's okay. That's totally fine. <laughs> but doughy. don't try to sell me on him as this surfer, right? Oh, wow. Uh, so it's like we're just going to have him belly flopping onto his surfboard. Then there's going to be just some four or five inserts of surfer B-roll, right? Just like uh, yeah, 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 random yeah. surf shots. And then it's going to be a shot of John Cusack just sitting on his board wet from the ocean, right? I'm using air right, quotes. Right, right, right. He's just like wet. People are totally going to buy that he was just actually surfing. I sure, like, exactly. Come on, come on. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that says about my my ability to engage this movie when that's the stuff I'm I'm coming away with. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh, I get you. you know. So yeah, I, I I like I just I I maybe maybe here's the thing that I've come and and next week we are next week we're <laughs> we're going into Uncle Stevie's shorts and like. <laughs> <laughs> to en- to engage Stephen King's short material, like he's just a master of the form, which does not mean every short is this master work and it's oh, eminently compelling. It right. just means he's so good at the exercise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's oh, yeah. just oh, yeah. he's great at a very distilled narrative thing. And I think for this particular story. And I wish I'd gone and reread the text before even this conversation because I did have a fondness when I did that the one time I've done it. But I just don't know that snarky writer in a haunted hotel room is that much of a stretch for his material beyond. Right, right. And that's why I say a a conversation piece mm-hmm. would have been much more interesting. I know? gotcha, yeah. Because yeah. by the end of it, and this is just... You know, I've got other stuff on here, but by the end of it, I meant what I said a minute ago. It's just noisy to me, like him losing it at the mini fridge. I did not buy whatsoever. The postal workers in the dream state tearing up the fake post office, uh, him busting up the room towards the end after the daughter gets Thanos snapped. Like I just, it was just noise. (laughs) Daughter gets Thanos snapped. (laughs) She does. Yeah, it's it's the multiverse. It's the Stephen King multiverse. The Marvel multiverse. Oh my god! Spider Spider Man's coming out. Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched that trailer, but multiverse (laughs) is in full effect, and Thanos snapped, and John Cusack's daughter went poof. Oh my Um, god! And then he busted up. But the point being, like, it just there was it was just cacophonous, and it and it just didn't translate for me. I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, I can I can see that. I did have a different. I did have a very different response to the film. But I can see that as some like you've identified some criticisms that I could understand being like, oh, yeah, that that's that may not work for everybody. I was going to ask you if the post office fake out or like if the he's out of the room fake out even remotely worked for you or if you but you'd seen it before. And so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, it's hard to remember from the initial viewings. I mean, a movie like this, though, where the whole right, at least the way the right. movie is structured, the whole movie is meant to be haunted hotel room. So naturally, you're going to be suspicious mm-hmm. when he, when he gets out. Although, yeah, of is course. That, what's her name? Mary McCormick. I think that's her Mary name McCormick. Is. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. she's she's great in this. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, she is. Um, it's funny because you get a big name like Samuel L. Jackson, and then I had forgotten how little he's actually. In yeah, film. yeah, yeah, he's yeah. In it very, and, very uh, little. And, and, and no, really, he's he's very little in the film. He's, <laughs> He's, he's 
He's just like shacking, shack, shacking up in that mini fridge, you know? It's like, <laughs> wow. Oh, no, I, I do love, I didn't look up his name, but the engineer maintenance man guy, I love that actor. He's from The Wire, or at least had okay. some prominence right. on the TV show The Wire, and that's a great bit. I'm I knew not he was a, there. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was. I'll talk you through it, but I'm, I'm not. Right, right, there. right. No, he's, yeah, he's a great character actor. I've seen him, but I've never seen The Wire, but I've seen him several times before. It is funny, almost everything that you rattled off as things that you disliked about it are things that I responded to positively. Like I even have in my notes, like I really like his, the commitment that he gives to moments like his freak out at the mini bar. <laughs> oh, I hated it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a wavelength thing, if it's a preference thing, I don't know quite what it is. Uh, listeners chime in, in the, in the comments or, uh, on the Facebook page or whatever. Um, because I, I am curious. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, my understanding is that at the time, at least the, general majority response to the film was positive. But again, I even had the experience watching it a, a, again that I didn't think it held up as well as I had remembered it holding up. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, viewers of the film now, uh, I don't know if they would respond sort of more in, in the camp you've just expressed or if they would, um, you know, or if they would appreciate some of the different elements a little bit more. Um, the other like major like that I had in terms of a performance was the um when uh, of course he hugs his daughter and then you know the the daughter dissolves into like being a you know before she's thanos snapped and so right, i right, right. i had written down that like oh yeah <laughs> I, I felt like it was a really committed performance from Cusack and everything so yeah it's just is uh, i mean it's interesting but well and, and and a moment like that I'm not even going to disagree with you. I was just so out by that point that I was sure. like, I don't, I don't it's care. late in the film. That's like yeah, you've yeah, only got is. 20 minutes left by the time it gets to that scene. I will make one passing comment. I'm a big fan. We're dropping character actor portrayals here. Uh, his dad, um, that actor is uh-huh. Lynn Carriou. He is a um, he's one of my favorite character actors. But the biggest reason I so I'm aware of his name and everything is because he um, reads a lot of audiobooks and mm. he's he's got an outstanding audiobook delivery. He's got a really, you know, a robust baritone voice and um, a, a great capacity for differing line deliveries and different emotions and everything. I wish he was in this film more. He's only in it for like maybe 15 seconds, uh, but I'm a big fan of him, so I just wanted to mention that. Well, do you want to move into some things that maybe did or didn't scare you? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'll, I'll I'll start if that's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, please do. I think the air conditioning going out, that's a nightmare to me. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I, that's I hate being hot. And when that that's happened, true. I was like, I feel you, brother. Like, that is. Well, that's it. Oh, man, scary, 80 degrees. Scary like, town. Oh, oh, I can't. I can't you do tell, it. You tell me I'm going to be in a scenario where I don't have climate control. <laughs> I'm, I am not going to be in a good mood that will oh scare me that, that will that will deter me from from the situation at hand it is that the extent of your list on the- <laughs> <laughs> my wife says i only need like two things to be happy in life that could go some really bad ways you can cut that out <laughs> um one is to have everything in life at eye level like you know shelving and like I just put things at eye level. I don't like to crouch to find things. I don't like to look up to find things. And the yeah, other is climate. Yeah. The other is climate control. So like, okay, yeah. Okay. When right. when when the AC goes out, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, man, this this movie just took a turn. Um, 
Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I don't mean, well, it's meant to be jovial, but yeah, it's, it's sure. legit. Um, I mean, the hammer-wielding lady person guy? like Yeah, went right after he sees know. the reflection across? That's, yeah, that's pretty I mean, jarring. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the gender of that person, but... Just, Nobody I just, does. I just called them the lady person guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, because it looks at it looks at first glance like it might be a woman, but then you turn around and it's like, wait a second, that might be a guy. It, all we know is that he's coming at him with uh he is coming at him with like a hammer and that's, yeah, that's it, or like a big bludgeon, like and not thing. like not like a Mjolnir kind of hammer. No, no, not oh. that, not that. I liked. I mean, it is a bit on the nose now in retrospect, but I mean the recurring sort of jump scare of the radio popping on. Uh, I don't know if you watch this with your headphones on or not, but I'm sure that the audio mix on that would have been very, very loud. Um, of course, I don't know if you're familiar with that song or how closely you paid attention to it if you're not familiar with it, but do you get? did you catch the name of that song and why it's significant to the, to the film? I remember familiarity with the song. Remind me what the song is. So the song is is by the Carpenters, an old uh, like seventies band, and the song is right. called and "We've Only We've Only." Oh well, fine, great. We've only just begun. That's it. That's the we've only just begun, and so the radio announcing to him again. It's a bit on the nose, but the radio announcing to him over and over again, like. Yeah, this is this is only getting started. Like you're you're going to have more and more because uh, the lady through the telephone tells him later you can repeat this hour if you choose or you can take our early exit program like that's basically uh right. which is so the significance of that song particularly it's meant to be a and i think this is intentional i don't think it's just me putting together a thing like that's intended to be the foreshadowing of yeah this is only getting started for him and it could it could well, go on indefinitely so that's pretty on the nose <laughs> it is <laughs> it is um so I think uh, I feel like you just like really want to just be espousing greatness about this, and I'm really just the wet no, blanket here. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, you're a little bit of a wet blanket, but it's not. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's it's not. This is not the type of film like the same way that you wouldn't go to the mat for your dislike for it. Right. My affection for it is not at a level where I'm like, what? You didn't like this film? Why are we still friends? Well, like, let, it's let's, not there. Let's, you know? let's restate that. So I will go to the mat for my dislike for it. I will not go to the mat that it is objectively a terrible movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. If that no, makes sense. What you yeah, see that no, distinction? Of like, course. Of course. My experience was this sucks. Gotcha. But I'm open. <laughs> I am my experience was <laughs> how long <laughs> until I can turn this dumpster yes, fire garbage that, off. That song says we're only just begun at the hour mark. I'm like, well, shit, you know, just, <laughs> just end it. <laughs> Like, please, please make it stop. Please make it stop. Check out. Check out. Well, that please. hammer lady person guy, just take him out. Oh, just take my him gosh. out. Go swimming again, Johnny. Oh, my gosh. Where's Uncle Stevie's shorts? No, so, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do understand. I And I will, you know, we'll leave it there and pivot into some thematic stuff. But honestly, listen. No, I've got another scare. That's the oh, woman swiping well, at him from the window when he's trying to get back in. It made me jump a little. We've already talked about that. No, we didn't. No. The woman. There's two different. So there's the hammer wielding lady person guy. Yes. And okay. then there's, and then there's the, uh, sort of, she, it's not plaid, but the old timey looking oh. bun in her hair when he's crawling in the, from trying yes. to fake jump yes. out the window and 
she's like there and she like swipes at him, but then she jumps out. Her ghost yeah, of person. course. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, and that That's, made you jump a little bit. Yeah, just a little. So I was, I was like, oh, of the of the <laughs> of the badges <laughs> that you would hand to this film of the <laughs> awards, the Nathan Rouse I've watched a movie awards. <laughs> the one you're gonna give to this fright fest is yeah, when that one lady I jumped a little. <laughs> I was like, I believe the noise you made was like, I was like, oh, like, like a, like a little tweet yeah. or something. It was like, <laughs> my spirit squeaked a little bit within yeah. me. That was about the extent of it. Wow, wow. No, I get it. I get it. So, um, but no, listeners, chime in in the comments if you've seen this film. Uh, you know, we won't turn this into a team Nathan team team read thing no, unless no. you absolutely want to. No, but, you don't. But, I'm not. Don't do that. Don't no. do that. Don't do that, please. Don't, don't do that. I don't. I don't like conflict. <laughs> He's like, I wrestled with. Try, I well, was sitting there for an funny? hour trying what to is... make myself like this movie. <laughs> right, right. More than that, it's long. Um, <laughs> what's so funny is I had such a negative experience, and I was like, but but I intentionally didn't bring that up to you because I was like, whatever, you know, just because because I wasn't. It's one thing to watch ten hours of Stranger Things season two and just be like, "Oh, oh my god!" Go there, huh? yeah. Well, no, well, <laughs> I am making the distinction for for listeners of the show who stuck around for two years. Like, <laughs> that's a lot of time and energy and sure. mental investment sure. spent on something that that you get entrenched on. Yeah, uh, of this it's like I knew I was neutral going in from my first watch ten years ago, so I'm prepped to be like, I don't know. And then right, my right. my dislike factor was high, mm. but I honestly I was trying to I was trying to project where will Reed fall on this, and I just I didn't know because because last week uh, with Creepshow I don't remember you tipping your hand in terms of your your affection for it or not. So no, I don't think I did. Um, so, anyway, so well, there's that. There's yeah. that, listeners. Um, but I do think there's an interesting conversation that the short story is not having that the film is having and and it's very overt in a way that I don't think I totally love but um, I do find interesting Mike Enslin's overt passionate uh, dismissal of the existence of God almost exclusively rooted in what happened to their daughter he and his wife now estranged mostly estranged because their daughter was battling an illness i don't remember if the film actually says says what the illness was but uh she's battling an illness that she does not win the fight and um that's a big way that the room sort of torments him is by using his daughter both the image of his daughter and uh in some cases the illusory presence of his daughter against him and so mike has very much turned against faith, conversations of faith, expressions of faith, and it's one thing to have a character be that way. In the short story, the character simply is that way, but as I'd mentioned in the short story, they dive into that philosophy a little bit, like Olin's character, the one Samuel L. Jackson was playing, um, he dives in and he's like, you, he says to Mike Enslin at one point, you are particularly vulnerable to 1408 because you don't believe. Um, He said, because you don't believe, you are going to try to rationalize things that are not rational. When you don't believe in any sort of supernatural explanation, then you, as Olin would put, you don't have the appropriate kind of fear to protect you and make you run away from these supernatural or preternatural occurrences. 
So uh, I found that interesting. The film dives straight into a conversation about faith. It doesn't really draw any overt conclusions that I can really hang my hat on, except for this character is struggling. He obviously, when he sees uh, his daughter again, and then he's holding her, he I think it's pretty intentional. He says, please, God, and, and says that after making a few overt statements about his lack of belief. Um, so I do think it's interesting then when little mini Olin, <laughs> the, guy, the, the version in the mini fridge is talking to him. He says, you know, uh, he says that people cling to stories, even like stories of ghosts because of this assurance of something after death. And he's talking about Mike's work at large and how he says, you've, you basically take this away from them. You basically dissolve this hope that they have that there is something more because your continued presence in these rooms and your continued like debunking of these haunted locations. And it it just fascinated me. I will say this. It feels like the film, even to me this second time around, it feels like the film is trying to have a conversation it can't quite have. Not because it doesn't have the capacity to, but just it... It either loses interest or, or pulls back a little bit for it. I don't feel like it fully commits to the conversation it wants to have about faith and skepticism, but um, that was something that this viewing I couldn't dismiss. So you said, but you made the reference that the text does not have the daughter element? No, the text does not have the daughter element at all. So he's just a, a skeptic? Yes, he is just a skeptic. Well, I mean, I don't know. I am naturally going to have some bias uh, of a negative sort here when you say you don't think the movie, I don't remember how you just worded this, but it's interested in a conversation it can't quite have. Yeah. And I would say it's because it doesn't know it has that conversation in front of it. Like, I I don't know. Mm, I just, mm. I just, I, I, I thought the, I thought it was about as cookie cutter a backstory, you know, it's like, ah, okay. um, And, and, and I say that simply to say, I think, you are, because you're an incisive, thoughtful individual, you're looking at the signifiers it's sending. Sure. Well, of course. And and wanting more under the surface than I think the movie has, honestly. I, mean, I don't think that's unfair. I don't even I don't even think that's incorrect. I think there there's I I do think the film kind of comes up deficient in its ability to wrap something substantive around these ideas of skepticism and belief in a way that the short story 1408 I think does a better job of particularly in that conversation between Olin and Mike sure and uh, so you know I would definitely uh, we'll get to our fog meter and recommendations eventually but um, I would definitely say even those who are lukewarm about the film I mean it's a short story so seek out everything's eventual pretty much every story in that book is great it is a great book uh, but 1408 only takes you know less than two hours to read and uh, and I think is very, very interesting in that aspect of digging into basically the the potential vulnerabilities of skepticism that because you're so opposed to accepting a belief or a possibility of supernatural intervention or of supernatural presence of things that you you therefore kind of become victim of or or leave yourself more vulnerable to those sort of inexplicable, predatory, malevolent things. And I just find, again, I find that interesting. 
I will admit that uh, I, I kind of like the way you put it. The film may not even know directly that that is uh, sort of on its doorstep, so doesn't dig into it the way it possibly could have otherwise. I do think it shows up enough that it can't be dismissed. Like, you know, Mike Ainsland says it directly to Olin before he checks into the room. Then Olin brings it back up when he's got his little mini version there. And then they have that flashback where after his daughter dies, he specifically says we should have, because his daughter asks him, am I going to go to heaven? Uh, do you really believe that, Daddy? And he says, yes, I do. And then he gets mad at his wife and says we should have pushed her to fight harder instead of filling her head with stories of heaven and all this other thing. So it's like, it's like it's there so much that I can't dismiss it, but I also don't disagree with you that I that I don't feel like the film is fully aware of what it has in depth enough to have a conversation about that or to say anything sub- truly substantive about it. Well, and, it's, and I mean, so so two thoughts. One, you you reference the the Olin conversations and you aren't you didn't explicitly state this i'm extrapolating uh, giving the movie credit for them but i would say odds are high and i don't have the text in front of me it's been forever since i've read it i think odds are high a, a good bit of that is b- just straight out of the text so a lot of it you know yeah. the, mm-hmm. right so the, so it's hard to credit the movie for its usage as, because it's it's usage versus interpretation right it's it's usage versus mm, conclusion yeah, right and i would say maybe even more now it was news to me in this conversation that there are four different endings. Oh, but sure. I think sure. that says something about knowing what you have. Uh, you know what yeah, I mean? Right, versus right. versus just being inventive and be like, oh, let's do four different endings and let's, oh, we like all these different, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. How can you have thematic consistency when, and, and again, the, the, the nature of there being four different ones was new to me. So I'm not stating that there can't be thematic consistency in an exercise like that. I am saying when there's that many, it mm. begs the question of like, well, it does kind of make sense that it would feel a little disjointed right. thematically right. when you're just, when it feels like you're just doing an exercise. And I mean, I don't know this for point of fact, but I do think the reason there are so many endings is due to um, repeated like poor screenings. Well, not poor screenings, because generally the film was responded to positively, but generally poor reactions to the director's cut ending, which is the version that you saw. Um, the one where he basically doesn't survive, there's a whole funeral, all of that sort of stuff. I had read about that ending, and uh, I think at the time, screening audiences were, were rooting for John Cusack too much, and they, they didn't want him to not survive the room. Um, hmm. So it may have been studio involvement, it may have been reactionary to to different screenings but either way your point is well taken that you still you there's a there's a kind of a lack of vision there's a lack of conclusion yeah. yes you know yeah. that you're that you're interested if it, let's give it the benefit of the doubt possibly that maybe it is interested in that but doesn't know how to push that across the finish line into an actual conclusion right um, and I think that's, you know, I do, I do find it interesting and I don't know how much or little we'll talk about this, but I do find the idea that is sourced exclusively in the story and I think teased out and, uh, as we've already said, not really landed in the film of this idea of the skeptic brings a power of rationality to certain situations in which 
people who have such widespread belief in supernatural possibilities might be left just overtly out of their minds. Um, so the skeptic brings uh, a decisive voice, literally, of reason to the conversation, but I find it interesting that the other way to look at that is, well, yeah, but if there really are supernatural forces, you are one of the most vulnerable ones out there because you don't believe in them. And again, that's I don't even know that I myself have a tremendous conclusion about that, although I have a handful of feelings. I just find that that risk assessment interesting. That yeah. is, you know, the, the, the power of skepticism is its ability to speak reason into a potentially, you know, extreme situation. The danger of it, as I see it, is the inability to acknowledge or recognize when you are dealing with something beyond your capacity because you insist there must be some natural logical right. thing to it. You know, and, and again, I just I find that fascinating. I'm with you. All right. I find I find that fascinating too. Do you, but you don't find this movie fascinating. Oh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I don't want to belabor it. If 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 you have something you'd like to say, then I don't want to dismiss it. But if if you're good, no, you could go I'm ahead good. and go to the, uh, let's go ahead and go I'm, to the fog I'm meter. About said all I know to say. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the fog meter here. We rate every film that we watch and uh, have kind of dipped into rating uh, other things that way too. Um, on a measurement based on our title, the title of our show, Fear and God, its scares and its substance. So I'll start with uh, the fear measurement for 1408. As I said before, this has never been a film that has you know, given me tremendous nightmares, but I did respond to it extremely positively on a first viewing, slightly less so this time around. Even this time around, I was acknowledging whatever suspense or startles would, would be present in the film would be somewhat subdued by the ultimate ending of it. So I'm going to land at a, a five on the fear measurement. Five skulls, if you will, in the film's vernacular. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a one for the AC. All right. <laughs> give you one point because that AC is just horrifying. I don't, I don't want to have no AC. <laughs> That's scary um, to me. Well, what would you give it for the God measurement? A one. I, All right. I, I just, All right. Which, you know, it sounds like I hated this movie. I did say the movie sucks, and I recognized that I used that language. Don't don't pull I, your punch. You I'm hated not, this movie. I'm not. No, no, no. No, no I, I did not. But I don't think it has anything of substance to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, as we've already acknowledged my feelings on it, uh, I think that it is interested in an interesting conversation, but it doesn't have the capacity or the or the depth of feeling to really bring it across the finish line because of the what I'm gleaming from the short story and what parts of that carry over to the film. I'm going to give it a three for substance. I do, again, think that there are some things that are there, but it's just, it's just not quite able to really drive it home. Um, so that brings us to, on the fog meter, we give 1408 a 2.5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> that is as close to you know what you know what might have been lower i would need to go back and listen to it. i think what might have been lower was final destination final destination might have well been yeah but we didn't lower. have fog then so how uh, do you translate how do you know. you know carry that over this is hands down so far what did you give lowest. it what did you give it for god three okay yeah three so i know your answer but i'm gonna ask you first anyway so would you recommend this film to people nope nope no, i would not no nope. in fact save your if time. you were like hey i'm thinking about watching a Watching, I love John Cusack and I love Samuel Jackson and I love Stephen King and I found this 
1408 movie that all of them are associated with, I'd be like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't, I'm not, don't waste your time. I'm not going to give it a wholehearted recommendation, but I would be standing there and be like, no, if you're interested in all those things, check it out. I genuinely enjoyed it. I liked it uh, more even, you know, going this time, even though my viewing was lessened, I think there's a part of me that still loves this movie, but it's it's it might be based more in my experience when I watched it the very first time around, which now, I don't know. Granted, if they did say, if they followed all of that, that confluence of things, and then it was like, you know what I really am dying to see in a movie is a tiny Samuel L. Jackson, then I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> maybe go maybe go for it tiny samuel jackson. maybe maybe go for it you know what you yeah, go, yeah yeah you, you might know, this might be your movie then you know what just go have fun listeners chime in in the comments let us know how uh, you felt about 1408 yeah. so but don't uh, don't 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 make it a team thing don't make it a team thing we, we're, we're all friends here we're all we're all one team we we we're team fear of god um right so no check it but out you let know us what know you, you know what reed as as absolutely and utterly ambivalent as I am about, I, although I guess ambivalent implies neutral. Like clearly, I might be less than neutral. Um, as I am about the movie fourteen oh eight, you know what I'm not ambivalent about? What? Uncle Stevie Shorts. Oh, and I'm so excited! We are next week. Uh, go ahead and get ready if you have access to these. Um, apologies in advance if you don't. We will synopsize them for you. Um, but a couple of short stories we are tackling next week. Three of them particularly. Uh, one is called Morality. One is called and t- where is Morality featured? Bizarre Bad Dreams. Yes, Morality and is featured in are... uh, the other two are in Everything's Eventual. So, ladies and gentlemen, support your local library and check out Everything's Eventual and the Bizarre Bad Dreams. Nathan, what stories are we covering? Uh, yeah, we're covering Morality, and then we're covering the Man in the Black Suit, and all that you love will be carried away. Uh, yes, those la- the latter two are in Everything's Eventual. Um, the, the former one is in bizarre and bad dreams. They are all worth your time. Yes. Very, very good. Very, very good. So check and those that, out. And that one will next week will resolve this mini 19. Yes, it will. This will be, a, yeah, because we're still doing the year long series. We'll be tagging back into it, but this little mini burst of some of these shorter pieces. Yes. 19 yeah. A, B, C, and D. That'll resolve that. And, uh, we will see Nathan. Thank you so Reed, much, I guess, for welcome. tolerating 1408. That's all right. <laughs> I love it. You're welcome. It's, it's all right. Yeah, it was a tolerance. I wasn't, a, I wasn't apologizing good. to you. Yeah, yeah. A, Thank you, Reed, for just being you and being aw. a good being a good conversation buddy. You're welcome. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Later. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. You can continue this conversation in a variety of ways. On Twitter, at The Fear of God. On Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast. You can like or follow us on Facebook or join the Fear of God Facebook discussion group. Follow Reed on Twitter, at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, at The Nathan Rouse. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com or visit morethanonelesson.com to comment on the official episode posts. And lastly, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.